This is the Edify Podcast for the servant. If you're like me, you're always looking to better your craft, uh, your your communication. You're looking to communicate for the sake of change, inward, eternal change. What's going to do that? What kind of preaching is going to best do that? Um, if you've listened to this podcast before, um, before any amount of time, you notice that that I I purposefully don't address topical preaching. Most of my preaching is expository preaching. Uh, topics aren't aren't wrong, uh, but I don't want to treat the Bible like a reference book where I give a person thirty seven different verses what the Bible says about you know fill in the blank. My preaching uh, is expository in nature. I want to expose the text. I want to you know preach a topic. If the elders ask me to preach a topic, I'll preach it. But I'll expose one particular passage or or, or two or three passages that you know at the most. But to expose the actual text, you know, like if we were to talk about baptism, some of your brethren would just proof text your other religious friends and say, well, First Peter 3.21, and I'm not going to move until you, you show me what, what uh, can contradict First Peter 3.21, or you can disprove First Peter 3.21, and they'll live and breathe and die on that hill. Uh, whereas Romans 6 does a deeper exposition as to what baptism actually means, what's involved, because when a religious person hears that we say, oh, baptism saves you, well, no, actually, God saves us. God saves us through Jesus. God extends his grace. We're saved by grace. We're saved by faith. We're saved by hope. We're saved by all the different things the Bible says we're saved by. And baptism is the agent by which we come in contact with that grace of God, that forgiveness, that step of faith, if our heart is right, which is what First Peter 3, 20, 21 is teaching, that water saves you, but it's not water. It's the conscience. It's the answer of a good conscience toward God and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Romans 6 does a better job in teaching what baptism actually means than just one verse. You know that, and we can list a host of things and, and go through that. Maybe maybe let's ask this question for the sake of time. Um, how do I become a better expositor? That's, that's a great question. Um, I personally am a student of expository preaching, not an expert. Uh, but I relish the opportunity to think about that. Jake, how can you become a better uh, expository preaching. Um, my heart's desire and yours, I trust, is to be a better preacher. And I trust that my preaching is clear and consistent from week to week. I want that to happen. But I, but I also recognize that I still have much to learn and to learn about and to grow in the, in the task of biblical exposition. All of us do. So I, I pray this will always be my, my disposition, my, my seat. I'll always take the seat of a student. The greatest teacher is the greatest student. No, no preacher should ever feel like that he has arrived. We all have weaknesses in our preaching. We'll all have growing to do. Um, we all have blind spots that, that cannot be seen without trusted people being honest with us. But those blind spots are there, whether or not we identify them uh, or acknowledge them or, or seek to do better. We should actively seek those blind spots out and strive to address them. We, we've already noted uh, some things in the past few weeks about um, about uh, about preaching and delivering those sorts of things, and uh, you know preaching for repentance and preaching for restoration, preaching for revival, all those sorts of things. But I, I want to recommend some things, um, a couple of steps when it comes to biblical exposition. Um, as a preacher, rookie or seasoned, if we want to if we want to seek to become a better expositor, number one, start early. Start early. There's a difference between what is important and what is urgent. And at the beginning of the week, many urgent things claim your attention. All the while, the text for Sunday sits there quietly. <laughs> and, and, and you ignore it until the weekend approaches. 
you know, Thursday. We, we, we got we to gotta get to something that now has become both important and urgent. Yet you're not able to give it your best because you are operating on limited time. So one practical way to avoid that Saturday night special syndrome is to start as early as possible. Um, many times you, you're only going to have you're only going to have the opportunity or one opportunity to preach a given text. You should want to treat it right and preach it faithfully. So to do so, you you got to study that, and you got to use your study time wisely. Uh, this stewardship of time starts at, by by getting to work as early as possible. So start early. Number two, read repeatedly. Don't begin your study by glancing over the text, rushing through it. Don't don't be looking for opportunities. Don't rush the exegetical process too fast. Um, don't start by consulting commentaries. Start your study with the Word of God, uh, with the Word of God, okay? <laughs> Before you study the text, read it. And, and I mean really read it, and then read it again. Read it slowly. Read it out loud. Read it from different translations. Read it prayerfully. Uh, read read with expectation that God is speaking in and through the text because he is. If you want wisdom, ask God, then put your nose in the crack of his book. There's great power in simply reading the word of God. By simply reading the text, that, that's, that's how the Holy Spirit can and will reveal the truth that you cannot glean any other way. So start early, number two, read repeatedly. Number three, observe carefully. Bible exposition explains the meaning and the message of the text, so therefore you want to have a proper interpretation or a proper hermeneutic. That's key. But but so is observation. Interpretation may ask, what does this mean? Observation says, what does this say? So before you rush to determine the meaning of the text, pay attention to what is actually being said and to whom it's being said. Context matters. Observe. And this tool of observation, uh, or or maybe... I guess we could say the tools of observation uh, are a Bible, a pen, paper, or, you know, um, when you're jotting some things down. It may be your Bible and your computer, but don't use anything else at that point. Just just read it and write or type, whatever you use, uh, what it is that you see. Analyze words. Note the grammar. Diagram the sentences. Look for repeated terms. Relate the passage to its context. Ask Ask diagnostic questions. Um, mark, uh, you know, connecting ideas, list, list words to look up, uh, note uh, words of, of, uh, transition, you know, um, note the people, note the places, things to know, review the cross references, uh, meditate on, on the themes of the text, make, make preliminary outlines. Don't stop until you've thoroughly investigated the text. And this, this may, may be called sanctified brainstorming. Uh, but do it and do it well. And, and when I do it well, it's often the most fruitful part of my personal study. It's where you really know what it is that you're actually trying to convey. And you can go up to the sermon and you can preach the sermon. And at the end, put a thesis statement at the end of the sermon or, to, or a concluding statement to say, this is what I'm trying to say, brethren. So the more time you spend in observation, the more it will strengthen your interpretation. So start early. Read it repeatedly. Observe it carefully. Number four, dig deep. Uh, there are no better minds, only better libraries. So consult the best resources available to you. Some, gonna, some are going to tell you not to put much stock into commentaries. Uh, in some ways, that, that advice is foolish and it's arrogant. 
Um, and then there's some ways that it's not. But let's let's just shift the gears and talk about it being foolish and arrogant. If you think that it is foolish and arrogant to consult a, a to to not uh, consult a commentary, there there are men and women who have spent years studying certain books of the Bible. Their life work has been been placed in commentaries. So the least that I can do is read summaries, read their insights, consider consider it consulting wise friends for spiritual advice some maybe maybe some of your best friends are, are commentators that you've never met some are, some are longer um, or, or maybe they're no longer living I read as much as I can exegetical commentaries um, homiletical commentaries and, and even some devotional commentaries I think it's a good balance to to consume all of those things I want to dig as deeply as possible to gain all the wins all the insight that I can on a particular text. So some folks have been studying this for a lot longer and they're smarter than I am. At least be at least be considered of what that is. And and notice too the bias of the of the author of those commentaries. Notice if they're Calvinistic or if they're Armenian or or if they're post mill or pre mill or you know pre trib or a mill or whatever. You know, those things matter when you're looking at study. So start early, read repeatedly, observe carefully, dig deep, um, and then read widely. For most preachers, it's, it's a challenge, most teachers even. It's a challenge spending adequate time studying for Sunday, along with all the personal ins and outs of ministerial responsibilities that we're going to have. This this often crowds uh, our time for personal reading, but, but there are some things that you, that you will never have time for, so you must make time for them, and reading is one of them. Um, a few episodes ago, we talked about your brethren will steal time. Well, then steal back time when you're sitting at the doctor's office or in the car wash or at the drive the the, the drive uh, drive-in cleaners or wherever. Um, take out your scripture and read it and read it and read it and read it. Reading reading is 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 one of those ways that you make time. Um, the more that you read in general, the more it will strengthen your pulpit work. Read theology, biography, Christian living, popular books. Uh, and, and even a little bit of mental junk food, you know, the way that something's conveyed. I mean, you, you can you can pick up a love novel and pick up and read it. And notice notice the the um, notice the tones that are used. Notice the the inflections. Notice what's being trans transpired in the text. Uh, even in something just as simple as a, as a, your one of your wife's love novels. Those things can be beneficial. It, it, it widens your your range of what you what you're able to read. Read sermons by other preachers. Uh, reading widely encourages critical thinking. It sharpens your focus. It encourages your faith. Uh, it, it models good writing. It broadens your perspective. That's what it does. Next, write clearly. I'm a proponent of writing complete sermon manuscripts at first, whether you take it to the pulpit or not. And and you you know me. I've, I've said. I personally don't do this, but but writing out word for word what it is that's on my heart and on my mind. Then I'll take it and I'll deduce. I'll make. I'll take my pen. I'll I'll take. Um, you know. I'll delete on the computer. Where I write. I write something out clearly. Uh, diligent study can result in flat sermons if you do not think through what it is that you're wanting to say and how you're wanting to say it. It's not enough to have an outline and then basically just wing it from there. Write yourself clear. Craft an introduction. Work through um, transitional sentences. Plan, plan your conclusions. Select meaningful illustrations. Uh, what, what, what's, what's 
effective cross-references, you know, and construct a compelling sentence. Help listeners to see what it is that you're actually talking about. Most often, this cannot happen um, extemporaneously, okay? It's got to be prepared beforehand. Strive to prepare a sermon that is worthy of the truth God has taught you from this text. Next, pray fervently. Of course, we talked about prayer last week. Pray pray personally over this sermon. Pray after it's over with. Pray some more. So I mentioned prayer last in this list, but and it's certainly not. It's essential to growing as a preacher. Believing prayer should mark your entire study and your preparation process. Don't, don't just check in with God at the beginning of your study time. Pray throughout your sermon process. As I mentioned earlier, James 1 and verse 5, ask God for wisdom. Ask God to grant the wisdom of the writers to you. I mean, if we want it, let's ask. Ask Him for understanding when you're getting stuck. Ask God to renew your mind, change your heart by what it is that you're actually studying. I mean, ask for a way to present the truth that will arrest the attention of your hearers. Ask God to help you decrease that Christ may increase. I mean, ask for relevant application for the church. Um, ask God, God, please uh, allow your Holy Spirit to grip the hearts of your people through this word, through what's being preached, um, through this proclamation, this declaration of this gospel truth. It's how he does it. Ask God to give them increase as you're planting, as you're watering, as you're um, you're you're brooding over the good seed of the Word of God. First um, Corinthians three six through eight just comes to mind when I think about that. Chew on that verse for a little while. Uh, ask for physical strength. Ask for spiritual energy for that preaching moment. Ask God to glorify Himself uh, through the proclamation of the Word. Prayer, prayer is prayer is going to ready my heart and yours. It's going to sanctify my life. It's going to guide my study. It's going to uh, clarify my message. It's going to strengthen my preaching. Praying preachers are strong, healthy, and growing. So if you want to become a better expositor, if you really want to know the meaning of a text, what's God trying to convey, and how can I convey this to the church, I've got to become a better expositor. I've got to start early, read repeatedly, Observe carefully, dig deep, read widely, and write clearly, and of course, pray fervently. May God bless you, uh, fellas, as you're preaching and as you're teaching, as you're trying to convey God's truth, you're trying to exposit, uh, literally unfold the meaning and expose what's actually there in your preaching and teaching this week. Um, God be with you.